All right, welcome back to Lakers Talk. We got Dave McMenamin, covers the NBA for ESPN, joining me on Lakers Talk. Hey, Dave, you there? Yeah, I'm good. I'm here. What's up, Alex? All right, man. How how you doing? I'm uh I'm well. This is a whirlwind of a day, always with media day. Uh, but uh, you know, I'm at the point now. I'm just trying to read everything that was written and <laughs> kind of sift through all the content we collected today. But uh, I'm, I'm well. But there was a a lot of excitement in El Segundo today, and a lot of questions also. <laughs> you know, I, I was going to actually ask. I, I want to start with this. You've covered obviously LeBron for a number of years now. Just was was today different than other media days? Maybe you could just kind of describe from your experience if uh, if this was similar or if it was a lot different. I think it was pretty similar. Uh, LeBron, because he's someone who has so much stuff going on in his life off the court, he tends to come back to the season with, sure, there's a sense of excitement. But there's also this sense of, oh, man, okay, we're about to climb up this mountain. Yeah, uh, We have you know, 10 months of basketball ahead of us or whatever, uh, nine months of basketball ahead of us. Obviously, he's made eight straight NBA finals. And with that, you know, I don't know if he ever feels fully rested going into the year. At the same time, he's also very cognizant of messaging and the things that he can say can create a storyline or a narrative that perhaps he doesn't want to have to combat the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. I think that's why you saw a bit of a subdued LeBron up on the podium for his mass press conference where he was pretty guarded in what he was saying. He wasn't putting out any bombastic goals. Uh, he's learned, you know, back in 2010, his first year in Miami, when he said not four, not five, not six, not seven, that's been the quote that has been used to really mock him. Yeah. It's been ammunition against him mm-hmm. for years. And uh, he made that mistake and he's learned from it. And, and, you know, now he tries to set the bar lower uh, because it's, it's better to undersell and over deliver. How much pressure do you think is on LeBron this season? Do you think he walks into this year, um, you know, obviously knows he's playing for the Los Angeles Lakers, but at the same time, I, I think you, you explained it very well. I thought he answered a lot of the questions, just, you know, not giving any um, not giving any material, like you mentioned, as a good example is what happened in Miami. But do you think he still feels a lot of pressure this year? I mean, I, he has a certain standard that he needs to – reach as an individual to feel like he is fulfilling his potential as a basketball player, as a father, as a businessman, et cetera, et cetera. So that pressure is always there. I thought it was pretty interesting. Uh, our Andy Kamenetsky asked him during the press conference, yeah. uh, is there anything out there that you know still makes you nervous? I think, I think was the word he used. <laughs> and LeBron was just like, nothing. No, it's not. Um, which is, that's an interesting man that the Lakers are getting. It's a guy who's comfortable in his own skin, who's accomplished a lot, who's not satisfied in what he's accomplished, but he brings that, not cockiness, but confidence. And that will be needed at times, I believe, for this Lakers team because they're going to go through some patches in the Western Conference where they're going to wonder, do we have enough? Mm-hmm. And he maintains that cool kind of status that they can all aspire to, it will benefit them in the long run. Dave McManaman, NBA writer for ESPN, joins Lakers Talk. Dave, out of the out of the young players that the Lakers have, specifically Kuzma, LeBron, 
I'm sorry, Kuzma, Ingram, um, Hart, and Lonzo. Well, LeBron, yeah, yeah, LeBron yeah. likes to think he's young. But. <laughs> um, out of all those young players, who do you think excels the most with LeBron in the lineup? Is is there one individual you think from that group that that you think maybe takes uh, really takes advantage of the situation? Yeah, I mean, I think we've talked a couple times this summer, Alan, and I, at one point I was thinking about Lonzo, but you know that was when. I was assuming he would come into the season healthy. And, and, you know, Luke Walton told me today that Rajon Rondo will be the Lakers' starting point guard to start the year. Um, Mm. uh, Lonzo told me he was just cleared today for full contact practice. Um, But uh, Luke had already said that won't include scrimmaging. So uh, it's hard to say that Lonzo will be the guy when he's not even starting. So, you know, next I looked down – of that four person group that, that you referenced. And I have to go to Brandon Ingram and Ingram has all the versatility. Uh, you know, he, you would think will be able to give a lift to LeBron as a wing defender at, at times. And that will be necessary for LeBron to conserve his energy for the offensive end. And uh, a guy entering the year three with, we know this immense amount of talent. Uh, I, I have to go to Ingram uh, as, as probably the guy that, that will be the X factor for this team. If Ingram makes a leap, you know, a most improved player type of leap, then I, I think we're talking about the Lakers being in, in really good shape. No, it's look, it's a good point, and, and I've talked, I've talked numerous times about um, you know Brandon Ingram specifically, but. Think about all the Lakers. Think about all the players that the Lakers have talked that have been associated with the Lakers the last couple of years. What I mean by that is Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, even Jimmy Butler's name that you've heard. Well, all those players play Brandon Ingram's position, and that's not to say that the Lakers are trying to, you know, obviously get rid of Brandon Ingram because they're not. That's why he's still on this roster. But if he can be that player that those players are today, and I'm not saying he's going to be Kawhi tomorrow or Paul George tomorrow, but if he does take that step, then that's a pretty big difference in this lineup than maybe when you when you start the season not knowing what Brandon Ingram or how he's going to play with LeBron and some of these other players. And sure, and, and it's a huge deal for this year, but even more so next summer because if he can play at that level under the basically the bargain deal he's on the rookie contract, mm-hmm. and you still have that max slot open, I mean, and now you're really talking about something here um, versus you know feeling compelled to trade him away this year to get a veteran and dig into that cap space that would be available next summer. Dave McMenamin, NBA writer for ESPN on Lakers Talk. Um, Dave, you heard LeBron kind of talk a little bit about, uh, there was a question that was proposed about the Warriors, and you know, I obviously obviously said, look, we're, we're nowhere there, and we're not worried about them. We're just worried about ourselves. But what do you think is realistic this season in the West? You know, now that pretty much everything has unfolded and and maybe Jimmy Butler is still a player that that eventually goes somewhere potentially even in the Eastern Conference but do you see the Lakers uh, I I was just proposing the question to Laker fans out there that what's a successful season this year and for me it's making it to the playoffs and winning a round Um, what is successful to you How, how do you define maybe success for the Lakers this upcoming season I think as the team is currently constructed Absolutely, I'm with you. They got to make the playoffs, and winning around, I think, is capable with this team. But if you know anything about uh, LeBron's 
expectations. And I do believe that part of the reason he chose the Lakers is because he could see further dominoes are going to fall. Sure. I don't think the NBA is going to look the same way in April when the playoffs start, or the rosters will, as they do now. And, you know, the Jimmy thing is example 1A because mm-hmm. just a couple of days ago, we were thinking he would play out this year on the Timberwolves, and that's not going to be the case now, it doesn't appear. So I think the Lakers could look a lot different. You know, they, they could be a player come February in the trade market, and should they accelerate that timeline and part away with some of the younger guys and bring in one of these marquee veterans that will be, you know, on the market. I think you just making out of the first round isn't acceptable anymore. And then, so, yeah, right now when we're looking at LeBron and, and a bunch of rentals and the young guys, yeah, make the playoffs and, and be competitive in the first round. Um, you know, if you're talking about a one, eight match against the, the Warriors, no, I don't expect them to make it out of the first round, but, mm-hmm. Be competitive in the first round, and then you build. But if, if they take a big swing with this roster and sacrifice some of you know those future assets this year, they got to go further. Uh, you know, and you know who who knows what the name may be. If it's a Jimmy Butler, if it's a Dame Lillard, if it's a Anthony Davis, but you know, depending on the talent they would acquire, that would determine how far this team should go. Dave, uh, I, I thought one of the more interesting interviews today was um, uh, Lance Stevenson. And j- just listening to Lance, I- I've never got an opportunity to be up uh, up front and close to him. And when he kind of tells the story of LeBron calling him, uh, you know, come free agency, uh, and, and now obviously Lance Stevenson signs a one-year deal with the Lakers, what, what do you think it was about Lance Stevenson's game that LeBron, um, you know, obviously respected enough to try and be uh, aggressive to try and bring Lance to the Lakers? I talked to Lance uh, outside of his, his presser, and, and I brought up the fact that, you know, when I last covered the Lakers on a daily basis, Matt Barnes was a guy who was famous for that viral gif of, you know, pretending to peg a ball at Kobe Bryant's face. Kobe didn't <laughs> right. flinch. And then, you know, the Lakers end up acquiring him from the Magic, and they end up being not only teammates, but they, they became close, Matt Barnes and Kobe Bryant. And I, I think it's a little bit similar here. You know, Lance, with the blowing in LeBron's ear or the flopping and the histrionics with LeBron in the playoffs last year at Pacers-Cavs, I asked him about that. You know, obviously everyone knows him for it, knows the viral videos, but... He, he told me, I don't know if I would be here if it wasn't for those moments. Hmm. You know, those are the things that showed LeBron how far I'm willing to go as a competitor to try to win a game. And uh, LeBron, I asked him to describe all the guys or the marquee teammates on the roster in, in quick, short, what first thing comes to mind. And uh, LeBron said, he's a dog, hmm. he's a competitor, and he's a guy you'd much rather have on your side than against you. And um, obviously, uh, over the years, you know, I think LeBron, at times, Lance got under his skin, and now he looks at, like, okay, you know, if you're a dog, go go sick him. Like, now do that same thing to our, our opponents and do the same thing you tried to do to me uh, to hurt their chances of winning. Yeah, basically do it against every player in the Western Conference, right? do it uh do it every single night uh dave mcmenman nba writer for espn on lakers talk dave with uh with coach luke walton um you know we talk about the different expectations and some of the pressure and i'm really curious to see how 
you know, some of these uh, younger players, how they deal with some of the pressure this season. And, and that could be early on in the season or you lose two, three games in a row. Uh, for Coach Luke Walton, how important, I guess, do you think this season is for him to uh, not solidify whether he should be an NBA head coach, because I think we all know uh, he should be, but just to kind of show that, look, if if you give me a roster and you give me a team with some good players that I can deliver. I mean, this is going to be one of the wildest coach seasons any coach could imagine. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and just because of the makeup of this roster, the circus factor that follows LeBron James, and you add in the media spotlight that you know a place like Hollywood brings, it, it's a lot for anyone to handle. But you know, I think he's doing everything he can thus far the right way. He's established a line of communication with LeBron uh, to make it, in my opinion, the way he describes it, more of a partnership. He's gone out and he's spoken to people close to LeBron, like a Richard Jefferson, a Channing Frye, a Teron Liu, to get their advice on how they would coach LeBron. And then he's gone to people who aren't necessarily close to LeBron, a Phil Jackson, a Kobe Bryant, Mm. to get their advice on how they'd approach this season. Um, because those two guys have been through so much with marquee teams and marquee names on those teams. So, you know, Luke, I asked him, I said, out of all these conversations you had, what was the best advice you got? And he goes to me, you know, and he's got a big smile on the face. He says, just relish it. Have fun with it. Hmm. Like, how many people get an opportunity like this? Uh, And I, I think that attitude... Well, he's going to need it sometimes because rather than run from the drama or run from the, uh, you know, the, the uncomfortable times, uh, one of LeBron's favorite sayings is become comfortable being uncomfortable. Hmm. And if Luke does that, I think he'll be able to handle what comes his way. Man, I wish we really had some content this year. I just feel like we're going to be very low on content. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> hey, Dave, Dave, last question I'll ask you. Um, I know we hit on it just for a quick second, but how do you think this whole thing with Jimmy Butler does play out? Um, you know, I, I'm, I guess for media day, obviously he wasn't there. And uh, do, you, do you think it's pretty much a lock? Like uh, this guy is going to be gone by the time the season starts uh, with the Minnesota Timberwolves. And, and do you feel like there's a team – uh, that would be a great fit for him and, and make sense to do some kind of move? I think he will be moved, and, and mostly that is the you know the, the, the trust in the reporting of Adrian Wojnarowski. Uh, he's been all over this story. Yeah. and yeah. You know, I, I, It was no secret to the league the volatile situation, you know, to, to myself and other reporters I speak to, the volatile situation in Minnesota, mm-hmm. but... It did come as a surprise that it moved this quickly. Um, I ultimately believe he will be moved to the Eastern Conference, not the Western Conference, because the Wolves were just barely scratching their way into the playoffs a year ago. And, and knowing what I know about Clint Taylor, he's a very proud owner. And now that he kind of threw all that money to Carl Anthony Towns saying, you're the face of the franchise, I think he wants to prove a point here. Mm. And, um, you know, possible landing spot, you know, to two teams that, that seem to make more sense to me are Miami and Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland, because just like Glenn Taylor, Dan Gilbert, a very proud owner, was trying to make a statement about the direction of his franchise post LeBron. And with Miami, you know, they, they have, you know, a Josh Richardson, they have some young assets that they could package 
to, to try to put things together. And, and obviously knowing Jimmy's personality now, you know, I don't know if the Timberwolves want to help out Jimmy get to a place he wants to be, but knowing Jimmy's personality, I think he would thrive in Miami. You know, uh, one team that I haven't heard too much from, but you know, Philadelphia didn't get a chance to make a pitch to Paul George. Obviously they, Kawhi Leonard did not come, um, I think the the Philadelphia 76ers, you know, it just feels like they're a step behind of the Boston Celtics, uh, maybe on, on, in the same level as the Toronto Raptors, maybe even a little better than the Raptors. That just seems like a team that this could be an opportunity for them where they get rid of a couple of their guys, but obviously as long as you keep Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, that's all that really matters. I'm, I'm surprised I'm not hearing more about the Sixers. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a great point by you. Uh, I was on with uh, Sedano and Michael Thompson and, and Kirk earlier and, and the Sixers did come up in that same conversation we having about Jimmy and, and you're totally right. I mean, Elton Brand, I watched his intro press conference as the GM and he said, I think we're one piece away. Hmm. That's I right. Mean, That's right. Get, he was saying that. He kept that saying that. Piece, right? Uh-huh. They can get Jimmy as that piece without sacrificing too much. I'm totally with you. Um, and here's another scary thought. You know, the Boston Celtics, not that they would need Jimmy, but I mean, they may have the best asset to offer in no, the Kings' right. pick this year, you know? <laughs> so and that's another wild thought to consider. I mean, if the Boston Celtics get him, I mean, maybe that's too much. You know, sometimes too many cooks in the kitchen, but, I mean, that that would be... They'll have uh, they'll have third really string exciting. they'll have third string small forwards at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, then maybe you know the off season somebody's expendable yeah. and they can restock the the assets of, of draft picks, which mm-hmm. seems to be uh, Danny Ainge's uh, mo these days. Well, let's hope the Celtics don't make any more moves, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's hope that doesn't happen. Dave, uh, thanks for uh, thanks for taking some time and hopping on. All right, thanks, Al. All right, man, appreciate it. All right, that's Dave McMenamin.